As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast and you will be able to tell from that uh, slightly less energetic introduction that it's just me here today, Alex. Uh, Joe and Seb aren't with me. But don't let that worry you. Um, we've replaced the uh, jokes and bonhomie with a little nerdiness. Uh, I'm talking to Eric Laurie, who is the head of Academy Performance Analysis at Mulder FK, which has recently given us uh, Solshire and uh, Harland and many other things. So we talked to Eric. I talked to Eric uh, about exactly what it is he does there, uh, what academies are like, get a little bit of insight into Solshire as well, which is interesting. Um, this is just to remind you uh, as well that for other forms of insight, you can, of course, go to theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, where there is currently a £1 a month offer. Um, that's very exciting. It's about as excited as I get about anything. And so I will leave you... I, I can't say that. I can't say that I'm going to leave you in the in the cool hands and the warm embrace of, of anyone because it feels wrong. Um, so uh, without further ado... Here's me and Eric. So I'm joined now by Eric Laurie, who is the head of Academy Performance Analysis at Mulder FK. Eric, hello. How are you? I'm doing good, Alex. How are you? Brilliant. Thank you. Yes, very good. Really nice to have you on. Um, I suppose my first question is, uh, what does a head of academy analysis do? That's a good question. There's uh, quite a few different tasks that we have. I work with another guy in the analysis department, so he he does quite a lot to help out. Um, Main function is uh, working around video and uh, analysis around the video side. We have five five teams in our academy right now so we provide uh make you know make sure all the games are being filmed make sure uh, we do pre-match videos post-match videos um depending on the depending on the level like mainly for the reserves and sometimes for the under 16s we might do opposition analysis um when that's needed individual clips uh keep a best practice library that can be with our own teams or I personally prefer, I like to use a lot of professional teams just to show what that might look like, you know, at the highest level. We can take clips from training. Uh, this is all 
whatever the coaches want. It's all between the, the coaches and, and me, I guess, what they want. Each coaches want different uh, different stuff provided. So I guess that would be, yeah, that's the main function. And how long have you been at Mulder for? I have been in uh, in the club since 2014. And and to what degree has has video analysis advanced? Because we we've had people on the podcast before where we've talked about uh, the use of data, the use of video, all of these kind of analytics tools that are being built into to football now. Have you? I mean, for example, was there somebody doing your job before you joined, or was it something that that came to be part of your role as as the club expanded into the use of video? Is you know what what's the transition been there? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm actually technically the first person to have this role in the club. And when I started, I more from a coaching background. So I uh, was coaching for the first three, four years, and the first the first team has had a you know a good analysis department for quite a long time. So I, while I was coaching in the academy, I was really interested in the analysis side. So I would help out with the first team analysis whenever whenever I could. Just you know, it's a relatively smaller clubs so i had a good relationship with those guys and they would just you know let me help out whenever i could whenever they needed it so when the academy decided to uh that it was time to involve some more you know we always we've always recorded our matches and stuff but get down to the real analysis uh started that around uh, maybe three seasons ago i believe so when you're doing analysis are, are you for example you know you you, you video a reserve game presumably things like yeah goals scored and conceded and stuff but but is the coach coming to you and saying um i noticed during this game that we were particularly adept at at building down the right hand side can can you give me some examples of that or is the coach coming to you and saying i have a general sense that we were a bit weak in midfield maybe you can find some examples of you know of instances where you feel you know, the wrong option was taken or the player wasn't moving into position correctly. How, how much latitude do you have to, to build that stuff? Most of the, yeah, everything, like you said, the goals, everything, everything like that is taken out. No questions asked. That's just done. As well as, uh, you know, the, the game model, which we have for our academy, broken down into different phases of the game. And uh, yeah, just, you know, nothing, nothing too extraordinary, but the typical in possession, out of possession phases. Hmm. and then uh so that those are all cut and cut and tagged as well then after that then i'll have that discussion like you described with the with the coach and that just depends on on the coach you know each each one each one has a different different thoughts different what they might want as well as what level they're working at what is more appropriate for that level uh just like you said the you know can you find specific examples of this and since i have everything already done then i'll just go through and take out those clips or you know sometimes maybe they'll want to watch the game back with me and then we can just discuss what they saw compared to what i saw uh the under 16 team is i'm actually with the assistant one of the assistants on that team so that's uh, a bit easier you know as i know i'm in all the all the planning for matches and trainings there so it's a bit easier to take stuff out but it's um it's really important to have a, a relatively good relationship with each of the coaches just no knowing what how they're looking at the game and over time it's you know build a little more trust with them and then uh you know they trust me to take out what what they want and then it makes things a lot easier that way yeah because it's it's one of the things that i i've heard said by people that work in in the various strands of analytics that 
you know, the, the tools are quite advanced, the capabilities are strong, but actually the real battle is, I guess, getting buy-in from from the quote-unquote football side. And, and I suppose that it's a little different if you're talking about video analysis, because as a coach as well, you are part of the football side. And it's probably something that that refers a little bit more to uh, to the use of these tools for scouting and, and player acquisition. But I'm guessing that what's what's really crucial is that kind of intuitive understanding that you, that you would develop with a coach around a particular system of play. And I guess if if Mulder has a has a general dynamic style of play that they want to institute, that does make it easier. But are there coaches who who kind of see this stuff as you know oh that's the newfangled yeah of course okay everyone's got to have video but but it's not really their bag or or have you noticed that generally speaking you know clubs are moving towards hiring coaches that appreciate the use of this sort of uh, material and 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 see its value i've uh, i've been pretty lucky i guess as far as that goes all the coaches that i'm working with are you know maybe the first the first uh, the first year was a bit more of a struggle because they didn't nobody really knew exactly what what we could do do with it all the time or what I had to offer. So you know there there was times where I've you know, made something that I thought could be useful and it you know just they look at it and uh, it's just maybe not what they what that's useful to them. They don't you know they might look at it and enjoy it, but that that's where it ends. They don't want to show it to the team or something. So there was a lot of. Uh, a lot of tests and trials as far as that goes, but after a few years and uh, working with most of the same coaches, we've gotten a pretty good understanding to this point of what, what they're going to want after each game and before each game. And all the coaches I'm working with now are pretty into it as, as far as the video side goes. What about individual players? Because I, I mean, I assume working in the academy system, you know, obviously you're, you're dealing with the younger players at, at the squad uh, or in the squad. Are they... Are they more receptive to that? Is there almost now because of an awareness of how football operates generally that actually when they come into an academy, this is going to be part of what they do um, as opposed to maybe some of the older players in the first team who still feel that it's not maybe as necessary as it, as you know some people make it out to be? Do, do, do the newer guys fully embrace it and expect it? I think that is mainly depends more on on the individual person i think they they understand it's a it's required you know we're gonna we're gonna use video whether they like it or not and it's just kind of up to them what they want to take from it there's quite a few quite a few players the more the more we get into it and the better you know software we have and uh, the better sharing platforms we have that the players they get into it a lot more and they have the ability to uh, take out their own clips and stuff so if we you know it's it's easy to just take everything out for them from game to game, but it's also, you know, I've started to implement a little more player side analysis where they can take stuff out themselves and uh, show it to us instead of us always showing them clips. But just, you know, uh, part so of that, the So they have access to the to the database as well then? Yes, that's correct. Oh, that's interesting. And, and in terms of that stuff, are they, I don't know, are they trying to pick things to make them selves look better or are they are they coming to i i guess if you're if you're encouraging players to to do that there there might be a temptation for those players to be highlighting all of the good things and and not necessarily delving into the stuff that they're not quite as competent at but or do you find that players are actually pretty honest about that stuff 
working with the players at the academy level, they all they all want to get better, so you don't find them cheating themselves too often. So plus we have to give some restrictions. You know, it's not always just you know find the best goals or best passes you had this match, but you know find a find a situation where you think you could have done better and why you could have done better, and they'll come to us with the appropriate clips in those situations. Yeah. And how much time would you expect an academy player to spend? looking at video of themselves i mean i i i don't know say for example a a a reserve team player presumably they are they're full-time and and they're training regularly and all the rest of it is that is video given you know half an hour a day or a couple of hours a week or how does it work out um we're still i would say we're still down to you know just preference of the players to make it available for them and it's more what what they want to do with it in their free time. Of course, we're always going to have a video before trainings or before matches or after matches or, you know, when we have, uh, for example, like individual player meetings, we'll have some video of it, of just them as well or some team stuff. But uh, outside of that, um, you know, some players are going to watch every game back and they want all of their clips and watch themselves back and some of them, some of them, you know, just they're just not that interested in it. But they they could still they could still be some of the better players. It just depends on how how they want to spend their time. But that's yeah. uh, that's not something we we really enforce right now. It's just uh, kind of down to their own preference outside of what we're going to go through with them. Interesting. So in in terms of you personally, then you you said before that you were a coach, uh, and then the the club created this role and and you applied to it. What skills did you? I mean, I assume you had some sort of coaching qualification beforehand but did you then have to teach yourself a load of stuff with you know video editing and so on was it was it learn on the job was there you know what, what was that process like as far as um the it side goes i i wouldn't say i super great with the it stuff so there was a lot of uh learning on the job a lot of teaching myself uh it's, it's easy to cut the cut the videos once you have the right software but then putting that together and finding a a good presentable way to present it instead of just you know throwing it up in a mp4 file or something like that you have to always trying something new and uh you know there's lots of different lots of different uh, analysis courses you can find out there that probably gone through five six seven different courses in the last few years just trying to you know always take something small here from there to add to add to your daily work so that a lot of a lot of stuff like that but like i said before i had this specific role i was doing a bit uh, helping with the first team so i had had some understanding of what they do with their videos and how they present it and stuff like that is is there a particular kind of way that that most footballers are receptive to information is it i don't know do, do things need to be kept relatively short do you use lots of color or you know arrows because so i have access to y scout which is you know has has the option to kind of draw over the top of, of footage and stuff and it's right yeah it's it's pretty reasonable it's not that sophisticated um are you are you using that sort of level of stuff with the players where you're pausing it you're drawing arrows you're making it really really clear for them or are do some players just basically need to see a clip once and go okay yeah i get the point of that I would say uh, is a bit of both, and I guess that's um, on purpose. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want things to get too repetitive. I don't want to, you know, sit down and show them ten minutes worth of clips with uh, with arrows on it every single time. But I also don't want to just show them two minutes worth of you know quick uh, six second clips either. So 
try to get a balance between that you know the, depending on depending on the situ the situation for example if it's a if it's a pre-match video a little more arrows just to be a little more specific a little more drawings and showing spaces but then if it's uh you know if we're gonna have something before training if we're depending on what, what we're working on that day what phase we're in that week or something it can be maybe a little more generic a little more general just to create some discussion so they can see they can come with their own ideas find their own spaces tell us what's what's happening instead of just putting you know the the arrow on every drawing in every every space so in terms of the structure then let's say you're you're you know there's a training session planned for for wednesday is the head of the academy coming to you and saying right the training session this week is going to be on x so can you can you provide some stuff for us or who who are you working into what what's the kind of because I, I guess academy structures vary considerably from club to club. Um, so w what's what's yours like, and and what's the process of working within that? We have a an academy game model that all the coaches are understand quite well in a like a six week cycle that we all go through. We're all on the same week each time, so everybody knows you know what we're working on, where we're at, and as far as uh, what video is going to be provided, it's based based off that and what they're working on. So. That's that comes down back to me and the the individual relationships with each coach. So it's uh, just to discuss with them one on one, or you know, me with the coaching staff of that team, what they want and when they want it. And it's just uh, there's no it's a uh, there's really no blueprint for exactly when and how it's going to be done. So there's a lot you have to be ready to adapt and flexible because one one week they might want this and one week they might want something else so just just to have that relationship with a coach and see what they want for that week but it's a general understanding based on our on our coaching coaching model what what's coming for each week and what what are the differences between how the first team does stuff and how the academy does stuff is the first team just much more focused on opposition preparation and tweaks whereas the the academy stuff is more general um, and, and kind of grounded in the game model or is there actually a, a fair degree of consistency across those? I would say probably the, the first team level they definitely have a lot more opposition. Uh, they also might make more adjustments based on uh, opposition as well. But it's when in the academy side we're focused more on the developing of the players and developing of the you know the, the like you said the game model that we're working with so it's not it doesn't always have to come down to you know how we're going to win this game, but just you know how are we going to how are we going to develop this phase of the game against this opponent? You know how how do we want to go against how we want to work on you know whatever phase we're on that week and how we're how we're going to prepare that way. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Obviously, winning games is really important, right? You know, everybody who plays football or coaches football wants to win games. But is the focus on the academy more in terms of the overall development of a playing style, player mentality, ensuring that, that, that players are receptive to instructions, that kind of stuff? Um, or are you, is it very win-focused and and more kind of short-term? I, I, 
I, I'm assuming it's the former because the purpose of an academy is ultimately to produce players that go on to the first team, right? But 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 what's the what's the mentality behind trying to achieve that? I would definitely say the first part. Our focus is to develop players, but at the same time, you know, if you're trying to develop a player who is going to be competing in the first team level in two, three, four years, they they also have to learn how to win. But uh, the definite focus is on individual player development, uh, probably over team as well. So if you get if you get a player, say, who's particularly receptive to video, is constantly kind of coming to you and saying, oh, can we go through this? Can we go through that? Are you passing that on to a coach as being a good sign that that player is potentially, I don't want to say more intelligent, but more engaged in processes other than the, the technical aspect of the game is that is that something that coaches are, are looking for you know players who are who are keen to kind of develop in that way and use those additional tools yeah we, we definitely have some players that are more receptive to it and you know more interested in it like I said we can give some assignments from from time to time and there'll be more some players you know they can come with their clips and they'll they'll have eight nine ten comments per one 10 second clip and some other player might have uh you know just one comment here and there but it's it's just down to the player yeah everyone everyone learns differently so there's no there's no expectations as far as as far as what they how they want their analysis or how they how they want to do it but of course uh anytime a player wants more and is receptive to that it's a it's of course you know fun for a coach to work with that as well so that's uh, definitely important, but mm. it's not uh, it's not an expectation. No, it's more of a extra addition bonus, I guess. When we were we talked via email briefly before this conversation, um, and and you pointed out that Mulder's quite a, a small town, um, and that the player recruitment for the academy takes place largely within that that area. I suppose a lot of our listeners will be most familiar with um with english models where you know the the catchment areas are larger a lot of the the towns and cities are larger and also i suppose to a degree that um that there's that i i don't want to say there's more poaching of players between academies and so on but i i don't know if that if that happens in norway but what 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 are the differences um with with the norwegian system how the catchment areas work that kind of thing to the uk system from my understanding, I I could be wrong, but uh, my understanding from the the UK academy system, there is like you said a lot of a lot of poaching and fighting over players. But uh, in in Norway, the recruitment is fairly based on uh, location. You know, if there's one player in another area, you just kind of for the most part respect. They don't obviously they don't belong to the big club in their area. They have their grassroots clubs, and it's not you know it's not just hands off. It's that player, I guess. But for the most part, players players stay within their region. You know the big club in their region, their their area. But of course, there can be players who, you know, maybe grow up liking a different club, or maybe the the club in their specific region isn't uh, up to their standards or expectations. So there'll always be some players who are maybe looking for. A little, a little different offer than what they have, but it's, it's uh, pretty much just recruiting from from your own uh, county or whatever you whatever you want to call it, region, area. And and do the the small clubs that I'm guessing these are sort of local like village or town teams, do they act as as kind of like feeders? So do you know are their coaches saying we've got this 14 year old and he's 
he's really, really good. You should come and have a look at him. Or are you still going out and, and scouting those matches? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Uh, we have we have different groups uh, where we gather these types of players that you're, you know, maybe the the top players from each of these local clubs, that, like you mentioned, and uh, we have trainings with them. So that's that's one way to to find them. And of course, there's also some of the coaches who who like to go out and watch the local matches as well and see what uh, you know their own eye tests instead of just what the what the coaches are saying. So it's a bit of both uh, as far as the recruitment goes that way. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Erling Braut Haaland at the moment is is doing extremely well for Dortmund. There are other Norwegian players out there attracting attention. There's sort of potentially, you know, in the next couple of years, Norway can can start to punch a little bit above its weight in terms of size in, in football. Do you think something has happened in the academy system across the country to, to produce a particularly good generation of players? Or do you think it's always the case that you know, that th- th- these things ebb and flow and sometimes there's two or three really, really good ones that go off to big clubs and, and sometimes there's not and it's sort of more chance-based than that. Well, that's a good question. I think, uh, think I might have to take the easy way out on this one. <laughs> Again, I, th- I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I don't have a, a great deal of knowledge of the academy system from, you know, pre-2013-14, uh, how that was set up, but I do... I do have the feeling in the relative understanding that the academy systems over the last 10 years in Norway have you know, really, really improved over, over what they used to have. I'm not even really sure there was what you would call an academy 10 years ago for most of the clubs at that, uh, at that you know, the top level. Of course, they have youth teams and stuff, but just the way that they deal with the players and the way they develop them, has, it's definitely taken some huge strides in the last uh, five to 10 years, I would say. But at the same time, like the players you mentioned, there, there's not always going to be a new a new hole on the no. coming every other year. <laughs> I, I think for defenders everywhere, that's probably a good thing. So by that, I guess what you mean is that that when we refer to academy, what we're talking about is not simply a youth team or a collection of youth teams. That it's it's a particular structure that sits over that collection of teams. That that it. It implies a degree of organization, process, support, those kinds of things, rather than just a loose affiliation of, you know, some clubs, it's not clubs, some some teams of age groups that, that happen to wear the same kit. Yeah, I would say that's a pretty good a pretty good uh, way to define it. You know, there's we have lots of different um, organization and structure behind 
behind everything that we do in a controlling the players workload and you know you know dealing with injuries perhaps perhaps a little better than a than a non-academy team might do uh you know this like the analysis side what we can offer there and so there's just like you said a little more structure and uh you know the, a lot of a lot of the local grassroots clubs you know they don't want to take anything away from them because there's that's where most of our players come from so they're obviously doing a great job uh bringing those preparing them to come to the academy so they do a, a lot of uh, a lot of great work in those places as well but like just a little more structure and uh definition of how we want to develop the players i suppose in the academy so obviously a huge amount of of effort and work has has gone into the the academy at molder um is is that seeing results now and i suppose in terms of a, a measure of success clearly progressing players through the academy to the reserves to the first team is is one measure of success um but what other measures of success do you see uh yeah there's definitely been a lot of success in our academy lately i would say we have um the norwegian governing body of football has implemented uh i guess like an academy rating system in the last um, few years where we've consistently rated quite high in molda uh so that's one one measure of success i guess you would say as as far as developing players it's it it's not always easy to go into the first team but at the same time i would say it's a it's a success you know maybe maybe they're not in our first team but they're in other first teams across the you know the top two three tiers of norwegian football it's is one way to measure it. Uh, we have quite a few players who have came from the academy in the last three, four years who are playing in the top level, the second level, and you know even outside of the country as well. For example, our under-16 team right now, we have four players in the under-15 and under-16 national teams. So another way, I guess, you could measure success is by getting players into the their age group in the national team. So it's not always easy to go from the academy to the first team when the first team is competing at, at the top of the table every single year trying to compete in Europa League uh, trying to get in the Champions League so that's a big step from the reserve team to uh, Europa League and uh, that's a pretty big step to take so it's not always that easy. No there's there's always a practicality isn't there and I think you know people can be very I think it's always nice for clubs when they have when they have academy players or youth team products coming through um but i also think it's it's probably difficult for people outside of the clubs to recognize like you say just what a huge step it is up from playing reserve team football to to being expected to take part in a europa league match you know there's a people get romantic about it don't they and they think oh you know it'd be great if half our team was staffed by youth products who grew up within a stone's throw of the stadium and all of that stuff but it's it's great if that can happen, but like you say, if you're if you're Mulder and you're one of you know a few pretty dominant clubs within the domestic setup, um, that is going to be more of a difficult jump up because of the expectations around it. I was going to ask you briefly. Um, obviously, um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was manager of Mulder while you were there, or because you, you're still there, but <laughs> he's no longer. Um, and and he's somebody who has brought young players in at, at United. Did did you find 
that that there was you know was he somebody who was particularly interested in in academy development and what was happening perhaps as a sort of younger former player himself yeah i definitely think um think you could compare a lot of what he's done at united to uh, his time in molda he was he was really uh he was eager to bring up youth players and uh, give them a chance when whenever whenever he felt they you know of course you have to deserve it and be ready but uh, he he wasn't afraid to to use youth players in his time in Molde. I mean, obviously, Arling Holland was here. Well, Solskjaer was here as well, and he, you know, he was giving him matches in the first team when he was seventeen, eighteen, I think it was. So, do you think there's a certain kind of manager that is more interested in that? That there's a sort of, you know, some managers are looking at at the club as a more holistic enterprise that that the academy and, and everything is very much part of that and they're across everything that's happening. I'm thinking of people as well as Solskjaer, people like Klopp and Bielsa who are quite well known for, you know, Bielsa particularly is is regularly at sort of academy level games and keeping an eye on stuff. Do you think that that's, that there's a type of managers who, who do that and that there are benefits to it and then there's a type who are just, you know, I've got to come in. I'm working with the first team. I have to win games. You know, maybe a slightly more um, I don't want to say short sight, short termist approach, perhaps. Yeah, I would definitely say there's different types of managers in that regard. But uh, I think a lot of that also might come from from the very top, even a, above the manager. You know, some clubs. I don't have a specific example in off the top of my head, but some clubs, you know, require a certain amount of you know local academy products in their first team squad you know how many how many of those are going to have so that kind of starts above the manager sometimes but i would definitely say uh, there's definitely managers who prefer a bit of a local flavor in their side compared to others yeah so we're going to see more mason greenwoods at manchester united then ah that's definitely a possibility hopefully hopefully there's some more if they have some more of him coming through then that's uh good for them that is definitely good for them um, so in terms of you, what what are your, I suppose, your your aspirations, your goals moving forwards? You know, is, do you think that there's a, a route for you to transition into into sort of first team level management? Or is there like a, a separate kind of analysis um, pathway that where you you work at different clubs, that kind of thing? What, what What's your what's your aim Oh, that's a that's a tough question. It's um, working in working in a football club. Uh, things can change pretty quickly. I, I actually, when I came to Molde, I started as a as a keeper coach. Then I transitioned to a more of an assistant uh, type of coach, and then into the analysis side. So things change pretty quickly. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say I have a clear a clear direction which I see myself heading, but. Like I said, I've been in Molde for six years now and uh, enjoyed enjoyed the whole time here. So for now, I'm just uh, completely happy working in Molde. So I don't don't want to go too much farther past that for now. That's that's a wonderfully diplomatic answer that that bodes well for a career in coaching wherever you go. Um, well, thank you very much for your time, Eric. Uh, really, really appreciate that. There will be more from the Tifo Football Podcast next week or possibly in the next few days about something as usual we're as chaotic on that as ever but thanks very much for joining us yeah thanks a lot for having me on alex it was uh, always enjoyable to to chat a bit about football so thanks for having me on 